Welcome to Season 6 of the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. I'm Sandra. I'm Gary. And together we are the Cocktail Lovers. We've been exploring the cocktail world for 15 years, sharing what we discover in our print and digital magazine, on our website and all kinds of fun places. But this is where we talk about cocktails. About recipes, products, books, bars and people. So let's find out what's in this week's episode. Innovative and inspirational, they're the words that spring to mind when we think about the contents of this week's episode. Here's why. Our products are Savoyer Orancio, a delicious new aperitivo and the first to be made with an orange wine base. While beautifully reimagining what a premium pink gin can be is Shivering Mountain. The book we're opening up is Welcome Home from Death & Co., which invitingly shares the training programme of this much-revered bar, invaluable for bartenders and home tenders alike. We're also heading over to the heart of Soho to drop into the newly opened Atelier Coupette, a creative hub with an alternative take on exploring cocktails. As for our guest, he's the embodiment of innovation and an inspiration to drinks professionals all around the world. It's the amazing Alex Crutena. But first, we are the cocktail lovers and we're inspired to make ourselves a cocktail. I love this season. We're we're well and truly into autumn now. And I think you do as well, don't you? I love it. I love the colours. I love everything about it. Textures, drinks, aromas. It's just rich, warming and inviting. So what are you going to be serving (laughs) us today? Well, it's funny you should mention drinks because I'm going to be doing... I was looking for a nice cocktail inspired by autumn and I found one called... Falling Leaves, Mm. not to be confused with Fallen Leaves, which is another cocktail. Oh, really? Or indeed Autumn Leaves, which is another cocktail. (laughs) Right, just to be clear, I am doing Falling, F-A-L-L-I-N-G, Falling Leaves. We get it, we get it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just like to be clear about these things. And this is a lovely drink. Well, I say lovely, it sounds lovely. I've never had it, but I'm going to make it. Um, But it's created great Audrey Saunders Wonderful. In from New York, New York bartender behind the Pegu Club, which unfortunately we never got to. Mm. And that's before our time, really, wasn't yes. it? But everyone talks, says great things about it. So, and about her. So, I'm doing Audrey Saunders Falling Leaves. Now, I've got my coupe glasses chilling nicely. I've got all my bits and bobs here. I made some honey syrup earlier. And let's get going. So, The base of this, interestingly, I think, is not a spirit, but a wine. Nice. That's a lovely way to start a cocktail, actually. And also challenges people's perceptions of cocktails and thinking that wine can't be used as a base in cocktail, I guess. Absolutely. I think you're right there. And it's um, she specifies to use a... Alsace Riesling, which is what right. we've got. So how much have you got? So I am doing 60 ml per person, so right. 120 for the two of us. So that is the base, Alsace Riesling, which mm. I think, as you said, it's a little bit different, a bit unusual. And also I've got some pear brandy. So I suppose we're getting those lovely 
autumn flavors yeah. really aren't we mm. so autumn oops, autumn pear brandy i'm doing 30 ml per serve so that is 60 altogether that's going into my mixing glass and 15 one five 15 ml of orange curacao i'm cracking open a fresh bottle for you here and so that is 30 Nice colour. Actually, it's very autumnal, that colour, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. But the first fresh leaves of autumn rather than the sort of dying leaves of autumn. No, Do you know what I mean? golden yes. hue when you walk through yes. the park or something yes. and you see it. So my fourth ingredient is honey syrup, which I mentioned earlier. So I made that one-to-one, -one, so equal measures of honey and syrup. So how many did you put in? I've put in... 10 ml per serve so 20 ml in total and my final ingredient is Peshaw's bitters mm -hmm. and I'm doing one two three four five six seven eight nine ten in total so five each of bitters that's all in get my ice into the mixing glass as you say the liquid actually already has that lovely autumnal glow glow plenty of ice in there Right, let's get stirring. Give that a little stir. As I say, I'm multitasking here. I'm, if you can just uh, clarify, I'm actually stirring with one hand, mm -hmm. and with the other, I'm discarding the ice from the. How clever is that? Wow, that's your <laughs> your superpower. Yeah, it, you actually, call that multitasking. It really is. I, wow. think, I didn't want to keep my guest waiting for her drink. No, really. I, that's very important to me. <laughs> so I've given that a good side. The gl mixing glass feels nice and cold. So I'm going to have a little sneaky taste to see if that what that's like. Oh gosh. I think you're going to like Good this. gosh in a good way, I hope. Yeah, no, gosh Bloody in a, hell, after in a all this way. <laughs> no, it's like, because I said, you know, it's interesting when you make a drink that you've you never made yes, before. And yes. You look at the ingredients, you think, mm, that sounds good. But, you, you know, proof of the old pudding mm. is when you're getting it. And you're serving it in which in, type in of glassware? glasses. Lovely. With a star anise garnish yeah. popping on top there. Nice. And let me hand that over to you. The glow, I knew you said it already, but now in the glass, that is autumn, isn't mm, it? It's really nice. Very nice. Do a little cheers. Yes. Oh, I should also mention it's Thanksgiving in, in yes. the US, so cheers to our American Happy friends. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Cheers. Give thanks. Oh, I love that. Mm. That's very autumnal. I like Ooh, that. Me too. Love Beautiful. It. My product choice this week is very, very new. I think it only launched back in September, I think. Mm -hmm. So very, very new. And it is called Savoia Orancio. And it's from, as you might guess, it's from the school that brought us uh, Savoia Americano and Italicus. And the, the great man behind all of these things is Giuseppe Gallo. Brilliant. So we, we expect excellence because he's do. renowned he's, for that, isn't he? Yeah, it really is. He's a bit of a legend in the, in the world of drinks. And as you say, he's stickler for detail. And we're big fans, I think it's fair to say, of... Um, Savoia Americano. Mm. That's been out two years. And this was actually launched um, to celebrate the second anniversary. Well, it, it, yeah. seems, it seems longer than two years, uh, actually, yeah, that I it's been that. around. It, yeah, yeah it's, it, it's, it's, I think it's partly because it's become so 
um, staple ubiquitous, now, isn't it? Yes, it? You know, yes. you see it everywhere. We have it at home. We use mm. it. We love it. I think, first of all, just before we get on to the all-important tasting, we should just say a little bit about the bottle. I'll pass it to you. But it is the cl- it's the same glass design yes. as uh, Savoia Americana. Yeah, it's in the same family, yeah. very much so, except with um, Savoia Americana, which has got its deep red hue. Yeah. This one has got more of an orangey tint. Not full-on orange. It's very no. lightly blushed. Oh, That's is what? it orange or yeah, blush no, colour? No, I'd say orange. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say. Really lovely. I love the shape of this bottle. Have a look on our Instagram feed if you don't know the brand. Absolutely. Um, just to have a look at it. But I love the um, typeface, the font on the actual label because it, it has a sort of, not deco feel, but it has got some sort of Vintage kind yeah, of. Yeah, it feels very classic. Yeah, classy, exactly. Like, very like every, Italian. Like very everything Italian. he does. Um, yes. And I think the other, only other difference in terms of this and the other one, the original, is the sort of blue label is very yeah. distinctively different. More of a, it's a deep aquamarine yeah. label. Yeah, so it says uh, on the label, it says Savoia, Rancio, Citrus Spices. Mm. Giuseppe has taken inspiration from quite a few places, actually. He said he was inspired by Marco Polo um, from the 13th (laughs) century, who journeyed from Venice to Persia. Ah. So that sort of accounts for... Some of the Um, botanical? Yeah, some Mm. of the spices and the citrus and so forth that has gone into this. Also, the other thing that he talks about is it's made with... Orange wine, and I think oh, it's nice. the only one that sort of one of these aperitivo style drinks uh, that is made with an orange wine. And I think that's important because they say that. So it states um, from my research that orange wine. They, I didn't know this. They leave the skins in. Yes, with it, and it makes it mat. They macerate and it gives it a much richer flavour and mm. colour. And all. so that is your your base before you even get to all the spices and sweet and bitter oranges. So lots going mm. on in there. So do, me, do they mention some of the spices? Yeah, there's ginger, there's saffron, pomegranate. There's uh, sweet oranges, bitter oranges. Lots going on. So I've poured the cork. I've poured the liquid. Let's let's have mm. a little smell. Look Beautiful nice. aroma. Very oh, wow. rich, yeah. warming, indulgent. I would say. Oh, it's got a wonderful aroma. And it? sweet. It has got a sweetness about it. Mm. Not sort of sugary sweet, no. but just a sort of a natural. Sweetness. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Wow, that's, that's easy to drink on its own, mm. isn't it? And then just oh. right at the end, because. You do get that rich, round, warming, as I said, sweetness. But right at the end comes this lovely bitterness. Not yes. too slap round your no. face bitter, but very subtle and very smooth. Very smooth. Incredibly it? well balanced, mm. isn't it? I t- totally agree with how you described it. Very that, light. That, as yeah, well. that sweetness yeah. up front, but the bitterness is just in the finish and very mm. delicate. Mm. And um, the finish is really nice because it's just lingering beautifully so i I know that um giuseppe and the team are very much about their cocktails so what do they say about this obviously you can enjoy it on its own because you don't need to tamper with it at all but do they have a lot of um cocktail suggestions they're they're very single-minded about this their suggestions are serve it cold literally from the fridge or over ice Mm. Um, and i think as you said just drinking it like this over ice would be brilliant or lengthening it with soda yeah, or tonic, yeah, yeah. 
or Prosecco. That makes mm. super sense. Or sparkling. They say sparkling rosé wine. Mm. And these are drinks you can either have, you know, sort of Americano style, just a few rocks and mm. in a uh, rock glass, or very long and refreshing. And they, they say garnish with grapes, which I think sounds mm. rather nice. Nice. And this bitterness I'm getting now, it is like bitter orange rather than a Campari bitterness, you know, put, yeah. it, put it that yeah. way. But it has got that really lovely bitter orange finish. So it makes it much more easy on the palate, I would say, than a lot of bitter drinks. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. And mm. I think in terms of those ways to drink it, I think, you know, you think of those sort of long, light drinks as summer drinks. But this, I think, oh, would work, lovely. That's work, for work autumn well, as well. all mm. through autumn and over Christmas. Mm. Um, so that is uh, Savoia Orange Theo. And oh, I should have said it's 17.2% ABV, right, okay. quite light. Mm-hmm. And it's £20 or thereabouts for a 50cl bottle. Marvellous. We haven't had a gin for a few weeks, but we've got a very special gin this week. It is called Shivering Mountain Pink Gin. Premium Mm. pink gin, Mm -hmm. should I say. So let's start with the bottle, Gary. Well, I think we've been spoilt this week. Mm. uh, This is the second beautiful bottle. And it's, it's, I mean, it's unusual as a bottle full stop. But for a gin bottle, I think this is really understandable. It feels like... (laughs) The best way I could describe it is like, you know, in the old fashioned bells, because it's got yes. a very long neck. Yes. And it's sort of from the, the body of the bottle starts slim and then tapers yeah, out. Yeah, it is bell shaped, isn't it? But I don't know if that's part of the inspiration. I really don't know. But very easy to handle because oh, of that long neck yes, as well. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. And a lot of thought and precision has gone into the design of the bottle as well as the actual contents inside. So we'll start with the insides. Why is it called Shivering Mountain? It's actually made in the heart of the Peak District, the beautiful Peak District. I was lucky enough to go there a few weeks ago and actually see where it's been made, where it's been created and the inspiration behind it. I need to talk a little bit about the name of Shivering well, Mountain. Well, I think you should. It's, uh, you know, it's intriguing. Yeah, yeah. it's mm. so-called because the elemental erosion and geological movement that is at the heart of the area causes frequent landslides in the mountains, which the locals say is just the mountain shivering. Oh, so that's, that's it. Yeah, I read that, actually. But no, I didn't think you just plucked it out of the air. <laughs> but it's a lovely thing. Yeah. And, and also, more about the bottle, these lovely embossed designed in it that's to replicate the shiver of yeah. the mountains so everything about and it is that, beautiful that, and then this little lovely indentation yeah. here that's to show you what the mountain looks like so inside every bottle there is the shivering yeah. mountain and as you twist it i don't know if this is an optical illusion but it makes it look like that mountain is moving absolutely or is that just me No, No, it it really is. (laughs) But everything about it, so the thickness and the shape of the bottle, it's designed for drip-free pouring. So, you know, there's that. There's this lovely cap. Look at that. That's that's sort of beautiful. beautiful. It's like a copper sort of colour. It's a stopper. Yeah, and even the base of it, so it's lovely um, engraving in the in the heart of the bottle as well. And the patterns on the bottle hint at the botanicals inside. So there's actually three expressions in the in the collection. We have the premium classic dry gin, 
And then there's the early harvest gin, which comes in the same... They all come in the same shape bottles, but they're different colours yeah. to express the Very botanicals inside. Yeah. So the premium dry is blue. The early harvest gin, which is the second one, which they describe as summer in a bottle, mm-hmm. that's green. And this one, the pink gin is, of course, pink. But it's a lovely swathe of pink. You know, it's a, what do you say, graduation of colours, really. I think I'd say on that, you know, when you say pink on a bottle or indeed... Yeah, it's not... It's not that, it's not Barbie pink. No. Not that there's anything wrong with Barbie pink at all. But this is a much more elegant, refined pink. Yeah, I would say it's almost virgin on purple, to be honest Mm. with you. But anyway, we will... Cut, we won't um, split hairs over this. So um, instead of the sweetness, because sometimes you can think of pink gins as being quite bubblegum pink, you know, and, yeah, and sweet. Yeah. But this relies on natural um, flavourings. So the pink comes from grapefruit and citrus juices, as well as Ooh. the dry gin base, which is sloes and bilberries, gorse and heather. So these are botanicals from the area. So... I love that when when, Mm. uh, uh, products really make a support and make a use of their local surroundings. Absolutely. And when, honestly, this place is so beautiful, you would have to (laughs) capture the spirit of the landscape in Mm. the bottle. And they also have, they use sort of natural waters from nearby as well in in this, in the distillation process. So let's have a, mm, that's Mm. lovely. Very warming. Yeah. Again, we've got another one that's lovely. And even though it's pink, and I think that sometimes people might think of pink gin as a, a summery gin, the aroma of it is not sort of whiffs of summer, is it? There's no. some nice, again, autumnal notes here. Yeah, it's almost, to me, I mean, I don't know why I'm getting this, uh, but it's a little bit black peppery and it's almost like smoky. Mm. I wow. Mean, yeah. That's a really good gin, that. Mm. No messing around there. Oh, it's very intense. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah, and you also, know. did you say, yes, the, the grapefruit, pink grapefruit. Pink yeah. grapefruit. Yeah, there's definitely that sort of sweetness going on yes. from that pink grapefruit. Yes. Has, what is the ABV of this? 40. 40. Yeah, because I thought you were going to say more than that. A bit stronger, honest, yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because it, it, it's got that lovely mouthfeel as well. Yes, it's, it's an, and a real intensity to it. Mm. It's not... Um, playing around this pink gin at all it's absolutely beautiful premium pink gin Mm. and they're all made in small batches we saw them being made actually it's such a wonderful process and such a beautiful brand they rely on locals that help them to make the gin to distribute it and also you know wherever they can it's all about being local and i know that they're looking for a distributor so if anybody's listening do get in touch with them because I would definitely, if I was a distributor, I'd have this yeah. on my book. Tell them we sent you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them that we sent you. So that Shivering Mountain Premium Pink Gin, and it's available from the Shivering Mountain website. We'll put all details on our Instagram feed. And it's £39.50. Lovely. And now for a cocktail hack from one of our experts. Hi. My name is Remy Savage, and I am the owner and a bartender at Bar House in Dalston. And my cocktail hack is, oftentimes when you see recipes that are stirred down, you're being told to stir with a spoon. But I know that when I started bartending, 
it was very hard for me to know what temperature was cold enough because of course you're always fighting between temperature and dilution. So my simple hack is instead of using a spoon, buy yourself a digital thermometer that you might use to cook meat or something. And once you reach minus two, minus three degree, your drink should be ready. Recently, we popped over to Soho, which is somewhere we know and love from yesteryear. And uh, it, there's a brand new bar there. So it only opened in the last few weeks. Yeah, about six weeks it's six been weeks. opened. Um, it's it is called, called Atelier Coupette. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you that think, oh, that sounds familiar, but a little bit different. Yeah. You're right. It is the sister bar of Coupette, which is based in East London. In Bethnal Green. Yeah. Bethnal Green. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the place for the champagne colada and <laughs> lovely apples drinks. But this actually was um, inspired by their Sunday development sessions, which they started a few years back. And it was the place for them to play around with new drinks, anything that they had, you know, different ingredients or just be a bit more experimental. And they love this idea so much that they've actually created this bar around that. I mean, it's interesting as well, because on the awning outside, it says the description is creative workshop cocktails nouvelle cuisine. So Mm. I think it's interesting they say creative workshop outside. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And and that workshop feel really does carry into the space, doesn't it? Because I would say because it's got this sort of industrial, not heavy industrial, but it's it's got a kind of blank canvas feel to it. So I think the focus is much more on the creativity of the drinks Mm -hmm. rather than all of the trappings around it. So it just keeps it really clean and clear. Yeah, but that's not to say it's cold or... No, It's it's actually very welcoming, isn't it? Because I agree with what you said about that sort of pared back look. But as you approach it, the outside is a rich blue. They've got that sort of floor-to-ceiling glass Mm. doors that go right across the front so you can sort of see in and what's going on and you know if you're inside you can see the time of day changing i think in the summer those will open up nicely yeah, and definitely. i think they're going to have tables outside but yeah. even in the winter it does gave a lot of natural light yeah it was good and and also it's it's quite small so it's about a 35 seater covering which i think is a really lovely space and they've used the space really well so you sit at the bar and even when we first went in there because this was only a couple of days ago on a Friday at about four o'clock and it was lovely because there were just a few people in there but it didn't feel empty because of the size yet you can see on the other side like when it gets really busy the mood would change again and it just works really, really well. So I love the look and feel of it and also that you could see what everyone was drinking and, you know, that sort of stuff and also interact with people. Yeah, yeah. It's got a lovely vibe and there was some nice art on the wall as well, Mm. which I think was, you know, very, again, kind of made it feel very inviting. Mm. So let's talk about the drinks. Let's do that. They say they are slightly smaller than your average size drink. And the, but there's a good reason for that. Yes. They say they want you to be able to sample several mm. drinks really easily, mm. which I think is not a bad yeah. idea. And, and also the thing about them being smaller, so they're half size or even two thirds of the size of mm. a regular cocktail. But that's reflected in the price as well. So yeah. the, they start from about they're about eight pounds, eight fifty. The drinks, yeah, aren't they, they? I think they're between seven fifty and nine. Yeah, yeah. So they work really well. And also, I must say that thing about. 
little wee serves. Everything looks great in small sizes. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? They do look cute. Yeah, nice bespoke glasses and it works well. So it does work in that same way that you would do a tasting food menu. You can do that as a tasting cocktail menu. Well, that's it. You could have three, maybe even four cocktails and you wouldn't feel like, oh my goodness. It would just be like having two two cocktails. But they're also quite, um, they're not necessarily all lighter, but they feel light, you know. There's a real nice freshness to them, which I like. So I started with the amazing Turbo Carrot Spritz, which I'm not usually a spritz-style drinker, but I really love the... I saw somebody have one, actually, and I just thought, hmm, that looks good. That's always a good sign. It's always a good sign. That's also why it's nice when you have a small bar, because you can see everything that's going on. (laughs) And we are nosy. Yes, I am particularly (laughs) nosy. No, curious, I would say. (laughs) So that is Bacardi, Carta Blanca, Trois-Rivières, Cuvée, Dill, fizzy carrot wine, and then there's this lovely toasted sesame that adds a layer of complexity and real, you know, because it's quite a light, fresh drink, but that just gives it a little bit of oomph, you know, that really is just there in the background, but it's a beautiful drink. Great colour, just comes with two little um, round ice balls, I would say. And, yeah, I would definitely order a few of those, to be honest. It was a lovely drink. And yours? Uh, My first drink was the Midnight Gimlet, Mm. which was made with rosehip Bombay Sapphire, blackcurrant Dubonnet and pine. And it was served in a lovely coupe glass. And it had rich, not surprisingly, blackcurrant colour. So it looked really appealing. And it was a perfect start the evening sort of drink because had a little bit of sharpness to it and the pine sort of gave it a kind of refreshing quality mm, mm. but for me absolutely banging perfect aperitif mm, drink yeah and then i went on to the spice melon margarita which is one of their best sellers so it wasn't necessarily one that i wouldn't necessarily go for all the time but i just wanted to see what it tasted like because it looked delicious and it is one of their best sellers and that was just lovely i mean i can see why people are going for that in in droves it was beautiful beautiful what about you well i i I kind of fast forwarded from my start the evening with the midnight (laughs) gimlet and and finished the evening you know 25 minutes later with (laughs) a a smoked artichoke manhattan yeah that was good which was knob creek rye chinar smoked artichokes and pishold's bitters Mm. and I'm not a big fan, funny enough. I don't know why I ordered it in a way, because I'm not a fan of artichoke. <laughs> but I like, I'm getting, as you know, I'm really getting into smoked things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought, well, I'm in, and, and I love a Manhattan. So I thought, right, I'm going to try that. And was I not disappointed? It was absolutely gorgeous. Mm. And it was, as I say, if I was finishing the evening with that, I'd be really happy. But I was having it about quarter, <laughs> quarter to five. In the, uh, and it was equally and delicious. And it works well. But, but that, again, because it's in a small size, you yeah, can yeah. do that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So I think that worked well. We need to talk about the food because, again, yeah, just like the, the bar, the size of the bar, the size of the drinks, the size of everything, it's all about wee portions yeah. and sample but sizes. But these are like, you know, nowadays we talk more and more about small sharing. Small plates and, small plates and that's is, what these are. This is yeah. um, inspired by Nouveau Cuisine, you know, mm-hmm. so that's what they've gone for. And so it's small, light, elegant dishes. Some of them include things like halibut with broccoli puree, asparagus, 
broccoli junk, they call, I guess mm-hmm. that's some excess thing, caviar, white wine sauce and lobster oil. So this gives you an idea of the yeah. style of food that I they're think, offering. I think it's also worth saying something we've, we've talked about a lot uh, between ourselves over the years is what kind of food offering you get in bars. Mm. And once upon a time, even in really good bars, you'd probably get crisp and nuts and yes. maybe some deep fried Asian yeah, or a, or a like charcuterie board if yeah, you were and, lucky. You know, nothing wrong with those, but we've mm. always sort of said, wouldn't it be good if they expanded on that? And more and more bars are. And I think when you look in a bar like this and the size of it and the quality of the drinks, you don't expect to get food, this food of this quality. And it was amazingly delicious. good food, wasn't it? We had um, ox cheek, um, yeah, one of the dishes. Yeah, nice. I yeah. want that again now. We also had carrots, which again were carrots taken into a different direction. And a bit of octopus. And a bit of octopus. Mm. All three I would happily have again. And actually, when we go back, I think we'll do what um, Georgia Balson, the um, head bartender, said. And they recommend about three or four dishes per person, you know, because they are very, very wee, but also they're very intense as well. So don't think just because they're small, you're not getting flavour and quality. they were so good. Absolutely amazing. And the thing is, you could hunker down for a few hours here mm. and you know try as they say the size of the drinks you could try several of the drinks and then just you know order the food as and when In you between, like it yeah. it's not like like i've got to have my main cause now it's like let's order a few and maybe another few after a few more hours yeah Perfect. exactly so we love in um atelier coupette it's a great addition to soho it opens from midday most days through to midnight. So it's. I think it's going to become a really good, popular spot. Also, because it's in that sort of little triangle now where you've yeah. got Swift, you've got Termini, um, Termini and now you've got Atelier yeah. Coupette. That's your so, evening sorted, isn't it? Absolutely. The latest issue of the Cocktail Lovers magazine is out now and it's all about tech. We're looking at the brands pushing boundaries in how drinks are produced, explaining drinks tech talk in plain English, picking the coolest equipment to up your mixing game at home, asking will the rise of artificial intelligence signal the end of human creativity in the cocktail world and whether robots can replace humans behind the bar, plus a whole lot more. To get your print or digital copy of The Cocktail Lovers magazine, see thecocktaillovers.com slash magazine. Right, my book this week is Death & Co. Welcome Home. I love this. It's a really fantastic book. And I think it's one of the ones that if you're a bartender or somebody who's really serious about home bartending, I definitely recommend this. Let me pass Mm. it to you because I don't know if you've seen it before, have you? No, it's a beautiful looking book. Mm. It's it's sort of got a coffee table-esque feel about the scale of it. And it's got that nice... It's a fabric cover. Yeah, it's like Hessian or something. Yes. Blind embossing on there with the name. Beautiful. So let me let me have a little chat about it, what it's all about. So Death & Co. Welcome Home, and it's by Alex Day, Nick Folchard and David Kaplan. It's published by 10 Speed Press. It was written in 2021, and to my mind, it's 300 pages of pure brilliance. Wow. Yes, absolutely. It's, it, as I say before, that it's sort of written for bartenders or for real serious home, you know, home enthusiasts. And they've written it like an employee handbook. 
and it follows the principles of what new members of Death and Co follow when oh, they when they're welcomed into to, into the fold. So it includes philosophies on work, hospitality, and cocktails, and they really advise you to read it from cover to cover rather than you know flicking in and, yeah. and doing bits and bobs mm. because each chapter builds on the other. They're divided into sections. There's preparation which includes establishing intention, creating cocktails with intention. Mm. So there's exercises as well, like building a drink and building a round. So, you know, you can imagine that's great for um, bartenders. And then there's the selection section, which includes the language of tasting and how to taste. I think we should definitely read that yeah. <laughs> section. Yes, I think you're right. Um, and there's, there's lessons for the palate, you know, so finding the balance and tasting experiment. So it gives you all of these things like how to make... So you're advised to make like a daiquiri, say, but one that's really overly sour, one that's very weak, one that's perfectly balanced. Right. So you get to understand what they the tell DNA. you to make those yeah, versions. And they give you oh, the, the I've specs never come for across those. that before. But you, like you said that is a training really, manual yeah, thing. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah. It's a really good one. And then there's a chapter on development. Then the cocktails at home yeah. section, which includes. 12 bottles equals 50 cocktails. And there's specs that that features recipes that are fresh and lively, light and playful, bright and confident, boozy and honest and elegant and timeless. And that's all under the cocktails at home section. And there's lots of photography. I mean, the pages are probably a bit more glossy than I'm used to in Mm. in a cocktail book. But... There's so many different photographs and things. Lots of them are sort of step-by-steps and, all yeah, all sorts of things. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing book. You can tell I'm a big fan. And it's really, it's a sort of, I would say, not just a training manual, but it's just everything. So for anybody that loves cocktails, wants to know a little bit more about them, they also include the Death & Co lexicon, you know, their bar speak and notes on their favourite cocktail books. So they also advise which ones are in their libraries. Okay, that's interesting. And plus a business book section, which is really good. Oh. So there's so much information in here. I would recommend it for anybody who loves cocktails, who's thinking about becoming a bartender or who is a bartender and wants a little bit more information and also just for you at home gary this is my gift to you (laughs) thank you Um, also i'll just pick up on that very briefly mm. about because i I was pleased to see that you know uh, from what you said at the beginning about it being a training manual Mm. style Mm. uh, but it has that cocktails at home section but i like it when they say read it from beginning to end yeah. to really get the most. And I think with I think as we get closer and closer to Christmas, we'll probably start saying more and more about potential presents. And I think this would make a great present for bartenders, but also home, home tenders. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with Christmas coming up, it's one of those books I can imagine I personally would love just after Christmas because, you know, you've, you've got, got the a time. day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just going to read, sit and read this book for a day or two. Yeah, you know? and it's got yeah. some lovely fun things as well. So they've got little interviews with some of the regulars and then their cocktail that they, oh, nice. they order yeah. at the bar. So lots and lots in here. As I say, 300 pages or so of pure brilliance. And it really has been written lovingly and carefully, actually. So that is... Death & Co, Welcome Home, and it's published by 10 Speed Press. And it's about, I'm not sure, about 
£30, something like that. But definitely one of the gifts that I would recommend for any of the cocktail lovers in your life. To say that Alex Cortina has an incredible CV would be a massive understatement. As the former head bartender at the Artesian in London, he led it to unparalleled recognition, most notably claiming the number one spot for four consecutive years at the World's 50 Best Bars Awards. Other accolades include Best International Bartender at Tales of the Cocktail Spirited Awards and Imbibe Magazine Personality of the Year. He's featured in the creators list as one of the 40 most influential individuals shaping the future of the global bar industry. Harper's Wine and Spirits list him in the hot 50, recognizing key influencers, innovators and drivers of quality drinks in the on trade. And the Drinks International Bar World 100 featured him as one of the industry's most important figures. He's developed products including Taya RTD, Paragon Single Botanical Cordials and Muyu Liqueurs, while Taya and Elementary, the bar he founded with Monica Berg, currently sits at number eight in the world's 50 best bars list. And Taya Studios, an innovative, collaborative, creative project, which he also conceived with Monica Berg and three distinctly different designers, is currently running in London. He is one busy man, so we are super delighted he's found time to join us today. Alex, welcome to the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my God, I hate the bio so much. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fantastic one. There's so much to say about you, though. I mean, we could have carried on for another hour just listing your accolades, but we want you to talk about them as well. So we know that you don't like bigging yourself up too much, so we're going to tease it all out of you. So first of all, let's just set the scene a little bit. How and where did you start bartending? I started bartending uh, back home as a as a part-time job in the Czech Republic. Uh, and I was doing it only and purely as a as a way of uh, of making some money. So I've fallen into it uh, because when I was growing up, I was heavily uh, involved in uh, in graffiti culture, and uh, eventually uh, I have to leave the the, the parents' house and make my own money. So I've fallen into the industry by, by random. Why bartending? Was it just an easier thing to fall into? Or what was it that appealed? Yeah, I mean, you never, I, didn't stop, uh, I didn't start bartending right away. It was collecting glasses, cleaning up, uh, barbecking. Uh, eventually, you know, the bartender calls sick. You have to step in. Uh, so it, it was very natural progression, but the, the passion for me personally kicked in uh, much uh, much later because at the beginning it was it was just a job really. Yes, yes. And when did you come to London? I came to London uh, in two thousand five, two thousand six, I believe. What, what what was the attraction? I think in two thousand five, if you were interested in cocktail bars, uh, there was uh, only really three big cities uh, there was there was tokyo there was new york and there was there was london and i've been in london before i had some friends here it had the sort of lowest barriers to entry because you could actually come here legally uh, and, and get a job legally 
uh, and you know London back then was uh, was on fire. You know, you you had uh, bar shows going on. Uh, you could go to Lonsdale to see Charles Vaxenat. Uh, there, you know, you, you were reading about Salvatore Calabrese, and over here you you could meet him. So I think for young bartenders back then, uh, London was the place to be, and I and I wanted to be part of it. And, and as you sort of evolved and really fell in love with it, how would you describe your personal style as a bartender? Uh, I mean, I, I naturally I don't think I'm a very serious person. Uh, I, I like humor. I like fun. Uh, so, in the terms of style, uh, as as a host, I think it's a warm, friendly hospitality, uh, very informal, uh, putting people at ease. Uh, in the terms of the drinks, it kind of continuously uh, evolves. Uh, uh, but uh, the focus always on the flavor, interesting ingredients, uh, unusual flavor combinations. Now, probably brutal minimalism. Uh, yes, you've gone through different phases. But you mentioned the fun, and we can't talk to you without mentioning your notable achievements at the Artesian. Not just um, securing the top spots that Gary said four times in a row on the world's 50 best bars list, but your amazing menus and the way that you brought fun into five-star bartending. And it looked like it was just about you guys having fun, but you really went above and beyond just making these amazing menus. How did they start and what inspired you to, to come up with these different, very always evolving concepts? So when Artesian opened, it actually uh, was opened by a gorgeous group, uh, Robbie Barks uh, Consultancy. It was uh, back then when still Spike Merchant used to work with them. Charles Vaxenat actually was one of my big idols written the first menu. And uh, then slowly as it uh, evolved, uh, I eventually had to face uh, the, the fact that there needs to be new menus launched, new drinks uh, invented. Uh, and uh, the, the Basically, the first uh, menu which I've written and launched uh, uh, got recognized at uh, Tales of the Cocktail. And there was like a big defining moment, not only for myself, but also for the bar, uh, where uh, I was like, okay, I think this could go somewhere. Uh, I, 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 was, I, was, I was very pleased. And, and from that uh, what was, the, what was the evolution into, you know, doing these big conceptual menus, having a theme every year. The, the very first menu uh, had a, a multiple sections. Uh, and I was like, I, thought, I was feeling it was very clustered. So I wanted the menus to have a more of a concept. Uh, and, and, and basically that was, that, 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 that was, that was, that was it. I, I often, uh, in the projects I work in, I have the initial big idea. And uh, and I, I don't bother with all the little details. Uh, I just go with it. Uh, and some of the things need little tweaks uh, and pulls uh, alongside the way. I, I think we we had a lot of fun, uh, and we also worked really hard. Uh, so I, I think that the way how it seems uh, on the on the outside uh, and what what what, it, what is actually happening, it's two very different things. Uh, and I kind of love it because at one point somebody started a rumor that me and Simone were like on quarter million salaries. Oh. We were laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was cool. If only, eh? <laughs> yeah. 
And, and just briefly before we move on, looking back at those fabulous menus, which we were lucky enough to to enjoy with you, um, what do you, would you say was one of your favorites and why? I think it's very difficult for me to say. I love probably the unfolding one, which was still more on the on the minimal page, but also the the, the serialist menu mm. where we went totally bonkers. That, but it uh, was amazing. That was so clever and fantastic. Yeah, I, but it, you, you know, it's, it's difficult to pick uh, your, your favorite child. Uh, but but I, I love all of them, and for each of the drinks, uh, I have a beautiful memories because there's a lot of stories. Uh, you know, as the drinks were coming up to life, which actually were never said or printed because often it was irrelevant, but but I have these beautiful memories, which I cherish. Fantastic. And they're still inspiring people around the world today. So that's testament to you guys as well. So between leaving the Artesian and opening your amazing tire and elementary, you've traveled extensively and worked on various projects. What were some of the highlights and what have you learned from those projects? I think the biggest highlight after leaving Artesian was probably the trip to Amazon with uh, Monica and Simone. Uh, I think it was not only a, a beautiful trip personally, because it was always my dream to visit, uh, visit the rainforest, uh, but also it teach me uh, about uh, how little I know about ingredients and produce and how little I know about bartending. Uh, because basically, we came up with these uh, trips to, to remote areas as a way of, uh, of defining the next stage uh, of our bartending because we were very conscious that we don't want the next project to be, uh, to be, to be artesian point, point, uh, point two. So... Uh, we were always going to remote locations, spend a long time learning about stuff, and then uh, making a, making an event like a one-off menu with only local produce. And there was like a crash course about uh, you know how little you know, and uh, and how the place where you, where you work and where you come from it defines you. You know, we we only learn about mixed drinks from the sort of European or the you know, British and American cocktail bar. Uh, and there's so much more in the world uh, to learn. So I think this is this is the one number one thing which defines a lot of things. And has that stayed with you? It, it seems to have carried through right through to now, actually. It definitely carried through. Uh, in, in Amazon also, uh, we started to discuss the first idea for Muyulikius with Simona and Monica. So this is where really the, the, the seed uh, was born. Uh, and then it gave rise to many other projects and, uh, and a lot of a lot of other traveling. So yeah, it definitely. If if I ever have to list some life-defining moments, this was one of them. Oh, well, that's lovely. And and so mo- moving on to uh, Taya and Elementary, um, could you tell us a little bit about the thinking behind the concept? The thinking behind the concept of Taya and Elementary was very much defined by the neighborhood we were going in. You know, we left Artesian, I believe, 2015. The marketplace with the commercial properties was somewhere completely else, and it was actually impossible for us uh, to get uh, to get a venue. Uh, no, you know, nobody cared about the awards. They perhaps helped a little bit, but at the end of the day, it was like, where is the where is the profit and loss sheet uh, from your previous projects? What is the things you run? And you know, you showcasing numbers and successes of someone else's business. So. People in London were very skeptical. 
and we put multiple offers in. It took us three years uh, to find the space. We knew we didn't have enough money uh, to afford the premium. So we had to go to a location which is going to have some footfall, but mainly be a destination. Uh, and this is where we, this is why we ended up here. Uh, you know, we are in the heart of everything, really. We have the design district or, uh, in uh, Clarkenwell. We have all the architects in Barbican. There's a financial city insurance around all cities around about. You have all the startups. There's a lot of online fashion, anything from Farfetch, I don't know, to, to, to what else. Uh, so so the, 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 there's amazing concentration of people. You have the craziness of shortage. And at the same time, Islington is one of the most densely populated neighborhoods in London. So we are like, you know what? This is cool because there's so many uh, different professions surrounding us. There's so many different people. Uh, there's so many young students. Uh, I think people wondered when we opened where we opened. Uh, but we we done a detailed uh, research here, and and we knew that uh, that the bar uh, could do could do really well here. Uh, so when you are in such a mixed community, you 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 face two options: you either do uh, one concept, uh, and half of the people are not going to be interested, uh, or you do uh, two concepts, and you 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 grab everyone, and and that's why we have elementary, which is. Uh, we call it a modern neighborhood bar. Uh, it's much more mainstream concept uh, in our eyes. Uh, it's very simple, uh, but not basic. Uh, it's a fast service. It's very informal. Uh, it's loud. Uh, and when you read the menu, you know exactly what you're going to get. Uh, so, you know, we always take uh, sort of classical structures uh, or recipe formats uh, and add uh, some interesting touches. We like interpret it in our own style. Uh, and it, yeah, elementary is killing it uh, because uh, not everyone, you know, wants to be drinking super refined uh, experimental drinks. And this is where Tire comes in. Uh, Tire is uh, it's really our playground. Uh, experimental cocktail bar, which uh, celebrates individual ingredients. Uh, so it's a mix of seasonality, some perfume ingredients, uh, some stuff uh, which has never been used in cocktails before that we discover during uh, during our travels. And and at the same time, Taya develops all the different products, the things uh, we we work in. It's a very collaborative space. So selfishly, we we open a bar. Uh, in a way, how we like to go uh, go out, uh, and uh, it has changed since opening. But uh, we're happy. That's the best way, though, to do things that you believe in. And also, speaking of beliefs and collaboration, because you've mentioned collaborations, that's one of the key things for you. And I know that it's always been really important in all of the things that you've done. And it's in, resulted in some really interesting products that you've done. So tell us, what is it about collaborations that really appeals to you or gets your juices going? I think overall I'm a very curious person since I was a since I was a kid, uh, and I I love learning new things and discovering new stuff and uh, and I feel that the collaborations, working with other people and discovering different disciplines, always uh, allowed me and blessed me with actually learning more. Uh, so you know sometimes there's a there's a product at the end of it, uh, 
but for me, the, the, the journey pushes me uh, forward, uh, teaches me new things and allows me to see the world uh, by somebody else's uh, eyes, which is very uh, powerful. Because you, you realize that often you limit yourself and you, you should, you, no matter how open-minded you think you are, uh, you're actually not. Uh, so, so meeting interesting people, I'm very interested in people. That's probably uh, you know one of the reasons why I choose to live in a, such a multicultural city with people with so, so many different walks of life. Uh, and, uh, and it's amazing. So, yeah. Yeah, and on that, that talking about collaborations, obviously that brings us nicely on to the the current collaboration, Taya Studios, um, and you, you, you and Monica, you've collaborated with three fabulous other creatives. So could you tell us a little bit how the the idea for the project came about and what people can expect uh, when they visit? The idea for Taya Studios came out uh, very naturally. Uh, it was a very organic uh, sort of idea which developed and formed uh, itself. Uh, we we had a few people and uh, a few great relationships, uh, and we always wanted to do something with these people, but it didn't necessarily fit uh, the bar uh, uh, that well, or it, it didn't make sense uh, to, to, to do it as a cocktail bar. And uh, that's when we decided that we should do a, a whole different platform which can live uh, alongside the bar uh, and which would enable us uh, to, to work with different uh, professionals and creative people. So there, there was organic relationships which happened uh, absolutely naturally uh, at first. Uh, and there was the desire to work with these people. And, uh, and, and the platform and the art it is kind of was a nice way uh, to, to, to enable that. So what was the what was the brief to the co-creators? Because also we'll go on for you to mention who they are and why they appealed. But what brief did you give them? So the brief was very simple. It was literally, let's take three creative people. Uh, let's give everyone the same sort, uh, the same set of uh, materials, uh, and everybody has to interpret it in their own way, within their discipline, to create uh, accessory uh, to our bottled cocktails. Uh, so uh, for Maya, it was very uh, straightforward because uh, she, she was at the bar many times before. Uh, and, and when she she's seen our menus, uh, she seen that there was definitely a, a connection. Uh, we should explain that Maya is the perfumer that you've worked with. So we'll just introduce each of them and tell, say what their disciplines are as well. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I, I probably ruined the surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, Maya Nja is a, uh, is a Swedish Gambian self-taught perfumer. She also happens to be literally a neighbor to Tyre, an elementary. Uh, and it's, it's a beautiful connection because we got introduced uh, through a friend of mine, uh, who is a, a friend of ours, who is a, who is a videographer. And uh, after a project, they were filming something with money. Uh, this guy called Mike is sitting here at the bar. He's reading all the different uh, drinks descriptions. And he was like, I have a friend of mine. She's a self-taught perfumer. And uh, you guys need to do something together. I don't know what it's going to be, but you must work together. And... Anyway, the night goes on, and he sends uh, this introduction email, and 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 then Monica started to chat with Maya. There was a sort of natural link because uh, she's originally from Sweden, and uh, and and the 
there was a whole another project which never happened and, and Maya turned it down. And when we had the idea for the studios, uh, we, we just pinged Maya quick message. She's like, maybe this time a collaboration. And we, we just told her briefly about the project and, and she was in. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Then we have a Martin Kastner, uh, who is a designer based out of uh, Chicago. Uh, his amazing design practice. Uh, I think he got well known in the industry because he's designed uh, very spectacular pieces for Alinea and Aviary in Chicago. I discovered Martin absolutely randomly, and I think I was pestering him for some uh, products and design. Then I found that he's actually originally from the Czech Republic because the, his surname made me really suspicious. Uh, and there was a link. And at the same time, and this goes already, at, uh, this, I'm still at the Langham. And uh, I, Simone and myself, we used to organize these like little industry talks. And we had a Martin as a speaker for one of them. And then, yes, yeah, the, the, the time, uh, time in design. Uh, and we kept in touch. We kind of not became friendly, but we, we kept the contact. And a few years later on, uh, he, uh, he spoke uh, at Pool Symposium in uh, Paris. And again, so the relationship continues. Uh, and uh, Martin is now working on something else, which I think hasn't been released yet, but we were, we were assisting him with it a tiny bit. Uh, so he came to see us in London, and we had this whole day ideation session uh, at the bar uh, with our team and uh, with some of the ideas. And uh, as we are talking, we're like, oh, Martin could be really good for the studios. <laughs> you know, so again, like a conversation led into the conversation. This is where he came in. Uh, and lastly, we have uh, Oscuro, uh, who, is a, uh, who is a calligraphy artist. Uh, he actually comes from the, from the same uh, hometown uh, as myself. Uh, we never met. Uh, actually, uh, I discovered him later through uh, my interest uh, in, uh, in in letters and lettering. Uh, I got an artwork uh, from him for uh, for Tayer, uh, and then I got another artwork uh, for our house, which I which I loved. Uh, and slowly, slowly, we were chatting, and then it was, I believe, one or two years ago. Uh, we were meant to work with a with, with a with a company uh, with with, a, with an alcohol brand uh, on a, on some sort of collaboration, and it was meant to be connected with arts. And uh, I so I had Oscuro, and I had another two amazing, uh, like really famous artists agreed for this project, and the alcohol sponsor pulled out last minute, and we were all very disappointed, and uh, and, and I was like. Okay, uh, screw you guys, but I'm gonna make this happen in another way. In 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 another way, uh, and and I always, you know, you, you, I continue chatting with him on Instagram, uh, kept in touch, and when when the stu ideas of the studios uh, were born, uh, we were like, yeah, definitely, there's something overdue here, and. Uh, and, and I, I felt I owe it to him because they put so much energy in preparing this project. And then when the sponsor pulled out, I was like, okay, this time I'm paying, we are paying ourselves and nobody's pulling out. Absolutely. And the pieces, all three artists have got the most amazing 
beautiful one-off pieces that are available. People can buy them. We have to let them know that. So it's all going well. We saw them last week. And tell us about each of the pieces that you've got on sale. Great. So uh, so I keep it in the same order. I'm going to start with the Maya uh, perfume. Uh, Maya and us, we share a love for cedarwood. So uh, she created a very beautiful composition based around cedar, uh, sandalwood. Uh, it, it's beautiful, warm uh, perfume. It is, uh, it, it is this sort of like a resinous, uh, resinous scent to it. Uh, I'm in love with it. I'm wearing it now. Oh, it's I'm gonna be gorgeous. Probably wearing it and it's I unisex, which is even better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so, so this is the perfume, uh, and, and I, I think it was our dream to have a one day uh, a perfume, and uh, we, we are like, I think we are more excited than anyone else, <laughs> Moni and myself, that there is now a Thayer perfume. Uh, so that, 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 that that's Maya's perfume. Uh, Ma, with Martin, um, we originally were working on a study in clay and how clay can affect aromas, uh, but when we were testing it. It didn't really work out, and uh, then during one of the meetings, uh, you know, we had to break the news to the Martin that you know I don't think this is hundred percent working. And he goes like, you know what? I agree with you, but I have this other idea which I always wanted to do. Uh, but it's so crazy that uh, you know, like this has no commercial uh, potential, and we're gonna be lucky if we manage to make a few. Uh, and he, obviously he knows from our menus that you know we, we love cedarwood, uh, and it already fitted nicely with Maya because at that moment we already had the first prototype of the perfume with Maya, which was actually quite different. Uh, and and then we we got the idea of uh, making a drinking vessel uh, from cedar, uh, and I, I loved it because I I love cedar, uh, but I also always love to listen uh, to Martin's philosophies about experiences, about time. And about the boundaries, you, uh, you know, and he, he's about the cup. He talked, you know, what is the boundary of where the vessel starts and the, 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 the experience merges with it. Uh, and, and I love these little philosophies uh, because it's, a, it's very poetic. It's very interesting, uh, but it's also mind-blowing drinking from the, from, from the cup. Uh, and it's, I, I love watching people drinking from it because everybody has so many different reactions. Somebody, some, some like the cup on its own. Uh, some people they are like after you drink the cocktail from it two times then it's the best (laughs) (laughs) but it really melds into the cedar wood doesn't it so both of them become really harmonious it's it's beautiful such a wonderful vessel absolutely absolutely and then you tell us about oscaros um and 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 also how do you how do you how do you uh, insert a calligraphy artist uh, uh, into into a cocktail bar uh, if you're not doing the obvious, which would be a canvas? Uh, you know, so we were like, uh, look, we're mega excited with you. We definitely want to exhibit some of your work uh, because the gallery, the studio, is a, is a theme uh, of the whole uh, of the whole, of the whole platform. But we want uh, something which is not only a, a canvas. And he was like, well, I have this crazy dream, uh, which is so madly expensive uh, that, that no one ever agrees uh, to, to commission this. Uh, uh, but I think it could be amazing. And I was like, what is it? And he was like, I want to make a furniture piece because 
uh, you know, you guys working on a perfume and a cup, but you have nowhere to enjoy it. So I want to create this little space where you're going to be actually able to enjoy uh, those drinks. Uh, and we loved it. So we are like, okay, how much that will cost? <laughs> so it's basically, yeah, and, and, and I, it's, it's amazing because he worked with so many people on it. Uh, all the wood has been cut by laser. Uh, it has a million different layers. Uh, just like when you see the piece, you realize, oh my God, th this guy is really crazy, but in the best possible way. Yeah, yeah. And, and how did those pieces inspire the drinks that you came up with? So with, uh, with, with the team here at Tayer, we basically we went through the things. Uh, basically for uh, Maya, she came here for a, like a tasting menu session degustation. Then she came up with the first prototype of the perfume. We have taken that study to work on the cocktail. And when she uh, finished the, the second itineration, when we kind of signed that product off, uh, then we went on creating the drink. Uh, with Martin, it was very obvious that it needs to have uh, cedarwood. Uh, and it was basically the, the most difficult part was the testing because we had multiple recipes, but they were not like in total harmony with the, with the cup in the terms of style of the drink and stuff. So there was, there was a very interesting process. Because you know, often you have an idea, it works in your head, and then it doesn't work when you're actually trying to create it. Uh, and uh, and with oscuro, oscuro in Spanish obviously uh, means uh, black dark. Uh, and uh, there's one uh, one flavor which is very distinct uh, at Tayer, and we work with a lot of uh, black walnuts, which is basically walnut salt in alcohol until until they blacken. Uh, and, and we we were thinking about the occasion, uh, and lot of lot of our staff they follow him uh, on social media they know his art so so, so it, it was very driven by them to make this sort of big board aperitif uh, based around uh, armagnac and black walnuts and coffee uh, you know so it it was more about getting inspired by by his name and the the, the color uh, than uh, than anything else uh, but again the brief for studios you know there's a brief and there's no brief uh, you know the only measure of the success is uh, is it cool and are we excited about it? I mean, what a great collaboration for all of you because you're all such amazing creatives and the fact that you're all getting to do exactly what you want with no brief, it's just a dream, isn't it, really? <laughs> Absolutely, it's very selfish. Yes, yeah, no, uh, but it's, that's it's where the magic fun. happens. It's really great. So the, all of the pieces, together with the range of drinks that you've curated... They're all on sale up until this weekend, aren't they, in um, Seven Club Row, which you've got a beautiful space there. So people can come down from Wednesday. This goes out on, it goes out on Thursday, actually, Gary, doesn't it? So this will be perfect time. So as soon as people have listened to this, they should run down to Club Row to go and get, because the pieces, they're very limited edition. The, the piece of furniture is only one piece of furniture. Um, there's a lovely clothing collection that Oscaro has also done, which is amazing. And then the fragrances as well, plus all of your bottle cocktails. So everything's available in limited editions and needs to be seen, tasted and bought this weekend, basically. <laughs> 
So we we advise that, don't we, Gary? Yeah, we, we're lucky enough to have seen it and we can't recommend it enough. It's yeah, a fabulously absolutely. creative experience. We and, loved it. And Alex, while we have you, any other exciting projects that people can look forward to? Or are you just going to have a nice little breather after this is all done? And I mean, uh, we don't have a breather really uh, because right, right after studios uh, is Christmas and uh, we're launching our uh, Christmas uh, RTD Essentials. Uh, so we're releasing a little uh, gift set uh, people can uh, buy from our website and here at the bar. People will be able to also drink all of the drinks in elementary. So we have a little mince pie Negroni, gingerbread old fashioned and uh, Christmas pudding sour. Of course you if do. Your family has a horrible drinking tradition. It's beautiful. Thank you, Alex, so much for being on the podcast. And thank you for all of this amazing work that you've got. And as we say to everyone that's listening, please go down and see the collection. We will have some pictures on our Instagram feed and also all of the details of when the show is running and also details of how to go to Taya Taya and Elementary and try all of the Christmas drinks. Thank you so much, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cocktail Lovers podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you did... Please tell your friends and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. For more details on the people, places and products mentioned today, head over to our website, thecocktaillovers.com.